0: Welcome to the Fly Fish Local Podcast, featuring local anglers fishing on local waters for local species. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Flyfish Local. My name is Drew Morgan and uh, it's been a while. Uh, did three episodes uh, last summer to get the podcast started and uh, then the fall hit and uh, work. I teach history, that's my real job, and so school started back, and football on the weekends, and then the holidays um, were great. I'm actually uh, recording this and recording the interview on uh, on New Year's Eve, so getting ready to say goodbye to 2017 and um, say hello to 2018. But I uh, wanted to, to try to get a few episodes done. now that Things are just kind of starting to calm down a little bit. And uh, this episode features a fly fisherman named John Agricola, and John has uh, gotten passionate about fishing for carp in his local fishery, and he happens to have a great carp fishery, so um, he's got that going for him. But uh, John's a really great guy, you know. Um, he uh, he invited me to come up and fish with him, and um, he, uh, he's got a great rig, which we'll talk about in the interview, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But uh, I still have that to say, you know, Alabama, which is where I'm based, is still kind of the next frontier of, of fly fishing. It's really uh, gaining momentum, um, but, uh, but the fly fishing world still kind of has a lot to take advantage of in Alabama. And carp fishing especially um, – is 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 not really on people's radars but it's something that's really cool and especially uh, in certain areas of alabama um it's a great sport fish yes i called it a sport fish to uh to chase after and then to hunt um as john puts it later in the interview it's more like hunting and not fishing so uh, it's it's an interesting interview, and, and I know if you're like me, uh, you don't know as much about fly fishing for carp. It's a completely different concept. I'm more of a bass guy. It's really a completely different concept of, of fishing. Um, you know, as you've heard, it's a lot like bone fishing or sight fishing for bone fishing, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So here is uh, my interview and my conversation with John Agricola. I really, I really enjoyed our uh, day of fishing a couple, couple months ago, and um, you know ever since then I uh, wanted to uh, talk with you and, and put it on the podcast. So I'm glad we were able to find a time. It's, it's December and it's cold and it's not really fishing weather, but uh, it's good to talk about fishing still. So
1: yeah, this can be a gloomy time of year for a lot of anglers. So <laughs> good deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well why don't we just start out with with you know telling me how how'd you get started in in fly fishing and you know then eventually uh you know especially for carp Mm -hmm.
1: well uh i love talking about my i I guess a lot of narcissistic anglers like to talk about themselves and fishing um i'm i'm one of those i guess and uh i got started on brim and bluegill as most people do uh there's some good beds around where my family's place is in Gunnersville. And we would go hit those beds hard. And I had sort of an ulterior motive for working so hard at fly casting when I was young. uh, My dad uh, would take these uh, sort of exotic trips to uh, the Bahamas to go bone fishing. And uh, so I wanted to show him that I could cast as well as, any of the old timers that were going on this trip.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so I worked really hard at my cast and, um, eventually made a couple of trips down to uh Deepwater K club. Um, and it was a uh, trial by fire because those guys, those Bahamian gods are serious and they see top notch anglers. And, uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't very good at first, uh, you know, We would catch fish, but it would be because they were daisy chaining and you could throw a shrimp pattern into the mix and almost surely come tight. But it wasn't until maybe my fourth or fifth trip down there that I started catching solitary fish. Yeah. And that stalk when you're walking the flats and it gets in your blood. And, uh, the, uh, the great thing about, uh, about bone fishing is that it tra- it, it transfers to carp fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is there's a couple of different styles of what. Well, let me just back up and say uh, there is a there is a perception of carp as trash fish. Uh, that's dissipating now uh, with things like RAB Addie's uh, Carpland DVD that came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's becoming more mainstream to fish for carp, but in this period of time, when I was maybe 17 or 18 years old, nobody in Northeast Alabama, with the exception of a few devoted followers of carp fishing, were doing it. Yeah. And, and the, the, the real resource to me is I, I was Frank Roden's fly shop, rainbow city auction. Yeah. Um, and he was a great casting instructor. Is a great casting instructor. And uh, he was he was starting to talk to me about carp fishing. And I bought a book from him that Barry Reynolds and Brad Beefus wrote about how to catch carp on the fly. And it became something that was less exotic, and it was something that was you could do on a local level. Yeah. Uh, and it was sustainable because. At some point, we we decided that bone fishing was too expensive, and we stopped making those trips. Uh, yeah, and so uh, it was it was just great to have Frank there at Rainbow City Auction, and he, he runs a fly fishing club. Uh, and I started talking to him about this other kind of sight fishing that I was starting to do. Uh, see, freshwater drum will work uh a lot around dams and they'll work up the edges riprap shorelines and in gunners uh, i would take a crawfish pattern and in the summer hard of summer you would see these uh big bodied black black fish mm-hmm. working the riprap yeah and and it was my only because i didn't have a boat at the time it was the only way that i could yeah uh, you know, pursue a sight fish target at the time. Uh, so I I caught a few fish doing that. Um, and I was really starting to get curious about how to find carp because I'd heard so much from Frank about, about the species. And, um, so yeah, I read an article, uh, called the Holy Trinity and it was in the Drake and it was about, uh, catching false albacore and stripers and bluefish. And I started thinking about it and, you know, we don't have many of those, any of those fish. Yeah. 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 Uh, what we did have was an unholy trinity of trash fish.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: We had gar and we have drum and we have carp. Yeah. And so I started ticking those off my bucket list uh, one by one, but the elusive one was carp.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh,
0: so I like I, how you how you call it the the unholy trinity. You know, I, I said in my intro that you know in the fly fishing world, fishing for carp has definitely gained momentum in the past few years. Um, but in the state of Alabama, which is where we are, you know, fly fishing itself is still relatively something that that's that's kind of uh, starting to gain momentum, and right. uh, and then fly fishing for carp is especially something that you know. It's not on everybody's radar. And, right. um, and you know, y- y'all have a really great fishery up there, which which we'll get into. But, um, you know, I think something that's cool about what you've done, and it's the purpose of the podcast, is, you know, I mean, you, you fished other places and there's nothing wrong with those places, but you've also figured out a, a cool way to fish r- right where you are for, you know, a species of fish that some may not respect, but they, they should respect because it's a great species.
1: It is. It is. And, and I think being in place and being content where you are is important, you know, philosophically. But, you know, also it's just, you know, you get to fish a lot more than just on trips. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you live for your next trip, then you experience more winters than the average person. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. And, and
0: you've had a great, you mentioned Frank Roden, and I'll put a plug in for him too. Um I met him a few years ago, actually before we met, and uh, you know the kind of guy that would just give you the shirt off his back, and uh, really wants to just get people in the sport. And um, he has a great little shop in Gadsden, and or actually I guess Rainbow City, but but outside of Gadsden. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, we we mentioned fisheries, and then you mentioned Gunnersville, and, uh, and and Neely Henry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your fishery and. Sure. Um, and I guess maybe how it relates also to carp because I think one one thing about carp is it sometimes sounds easy to people, but but the fishery and the the type of water you're fishing is very important if you want to do it uh, yeah. efficiently. So,
1: well, uh, yeah, I mean the the thing about the fishery here in northeast Alabama is that there's a lot of water. I mean there's Neely Henry, there's Weiss Lake, there's Gunnersville. And so there's a lot to be experienced from a tourist point of view in terms of those bodies of water on Weiss. In fact, I got my, when I was having trouble breaking through and catching that first carp. you know, Frank would tell me that, you know, sometimes it takes two or three years if you're doing it yourself before you figure out how to get that feed on the fish and how to find the fish and, um, I was lucky in the sense that, uh, there was somebody on Weiss Lake that was guiding for him and, uh, that's Har Starr out of Chattakee Lodge. Uh, I took a trip with him and he had, he had a little river hawk with a, uh, 10 horsepower motor and I went out with him. Uh, he, he has another guy named Pete Elkins that was, is very well known in Northeast Alabama as one of the most, uh, well-respected fly fisherman in the in this particular area. He's written books on striper fishing. Yeah, mm. he's a good dude. Uh, both of them uh, know a lot about carp fishing. So I went out with them. No luck. The fish were not uh, oriented on the flies that day, and that's one of the most frustrating things about carp fishing is that sometimes the fish are just not in an eating mood,
0: yeah. and
1: that can depend on bar- barometric pressure or uh, you know, a front that's moving in or something. It sounds
0: like the day that me and you had a couple months
1: ago. That's 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 <laughs> exactly right. I mean, they're just they're real finicky, and and if you don't have them with their where they're standing on their head, they're just sometimes they're not going to eat. And even when you you've seen sixty fish, it, it it may only be two or three that are eating.
0: Yeah,
1: so catching one or two fish is 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 a great day. The day I went out with Harlan. Uh, the second time, I caught four, and I think I started putting it together at that point. Yeah. Um, well, only- for me,
0: I mean, it was my first time uh, with you a mm-hmm. couple couple months ago, and, yeah, you know, we we didn't bring any to hand, and- but I had one, I think you probably remember that one, that I, I felt like I made a good cast to. Uh-huh. He was right in front of us. He was eating. I mean, my, man, my, I mean, and I fished a lot, but. I mean, my heart was pounding on my chest. I I almost had to sit down after it was just so. I don't know. I can't even explain it, but it was it was an adrenaline um, deal. People get bug
1: fever with them, and yeah. and, it's, and it gets even better when you, when you catch one yeah. and you know the fight that you have in store for you. Uh, because that's to me, that's their value—the value of seeing a fish, putting the cast on it, putting the stalk on it, and then having that fish run as hard as it does. Uh, supposedly they don't have lactic acid build up in their, in their huh. tissue so they can fight huh. like a saltwater fish.
0: Huh?
1: Yeah. Uh, but, um, back to the fishery. Yeah. I mean, Weiss Lake is sort of, uh, the realm of Chattakee Lodge and Harlan Star. I'm trying to make Neely Henry sort of my bailiwick. Uh, and, and there are people that I know who have caught fish in Gunnersville, but it's very tricky there because they have the, the mill full yeah. and um, there's only about a, a two or three week window in the spring where the mill full is not covering up the bottom mm-hmm. um, to where you can get that fly to hit the bottom in front of the fish. So I've still, I'm, I'm still figuring things out in Gunnersville, but I've got, I've got Neely Henry pretty well uh, on a, on a, on a, on a good bead, I guess. Um, it is, uh, it started for me on Neely Henry, uh, even before Harlan and, and Weislake, uh, listening to Frank talk about going out to search for him, and I didn't have a boat yet. So I found myself walking around a lot in a, in a bird sanctuary, yeah. uh, just, just like slogging through, you know, thick black mud, yeah. trying to trying to put casts on these fish and they always know you're there
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's i mean it, it was an obsession for a few years until i finally caught my first one waiting and i said i've got to be able to do this more regularly yeah and so i went out and got a river hawk like Harlan's, and uh did it for a summer using the river hawk and a and a casting platform that i rigged up to be my polling platform um and then uh you know, I, I I would still take trips occasionally. I got into red fishing for a while, yeah, and uh, and that side fishing thing was so fun. I had to bring it back. Yeah, uh, there was there was a a guy that I met down in Apalachicola named Harry Spear, and uh, Harry Spear uh, was a very famous uh, in fly fishing circles, uh, tournament angler down in the Keys. And, uh, after some time he moved to, uh, Panacea, Florida, North Florida Panhandle in the early nineties, I think. And, um, so he started building boats and, uh, as like, you know, Hell's Bays and things like that, yeah. Hell's yeah, Bays yeah. and the Capes, they were kind of out of my price range. So I, when I met Harry after a tarpon trip, uh, it was, uh, it was sort of like, you know, meant to be that I, I I put all the money that I had into this carp fishing vessel that is a pretty it's, uh, it's beautiful a sweet rig. Yeah, it, man. It's, it is. It's a sweet it, rig. It'll it'll float in three inches of water, and it'll get me where I need to go all over the Coosa. Well, uh, and I'll,
0: I'll say this. I tried my hand at, at polling for the first time, and, Ever since then, man, I, I have a very strong appreciation for uh, anyone who can poll. And you you're you were very good at it. Um, I, you know, you, you made it look really easy until I tried to do it. And I think we ended up in the trees, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it,
1: it goes both ways. I can't row worth a darn, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but but it is fun, man. Yeah. I, I, uh, I got to know polling first on the Riverhawk and that was like training wheels and then moving up to a 17 foot boat. It was, uh, it was a little bit easier having used a, a smaller boat like the Riverhawk for, for a summer.
0: Yeah. Huh? Uh, well, why don't you talk to us a little bit about maybe your, your ideal setup as far as uh, rod and sure. uh, line and uh, leader and tippet. And, you know, so if somebody out there, you know, we're, was wanting to, to try to start fishing for carp, um, you know, what kind of setup would they have to have to, to so, be better? So,
1: so one of the things is that a lot of people would know this as uh, sort of an axiom, but carp are everywhere, and they're always in different conditions uh, of water clarity and even fl- flowing streams versus uh, a stagnant pond. Um, so you have to assess, uh, what kind of carp are you fishing for? I mean, they're, they're usually going to be common. I've never fished for grassies. We don't really have those around here to my knowledge, but, uh. Yeah. I know that
0: a lot of people put those in in farm ponds and stuff, you know, or, um, you know, neighborhood ponds to control vegetation. Yeah. And I've heard people and I'm sure there's people out there listening probably who, who maybe have, have caught those. I, um, you know, I don't know if there is um much of a game fish as a as a common mm-hmm. is. Um, but uh
1: yeah, so I guess that's
0: an important distinction. We're we're talking mostly about common. Yes. Uh and, and yes. Not, not grass carp, but
1: which yeah, a big difference. And and if you are interested in catching grass carp, you could use that uh how to catch carp on the fly uh textbook uh that is Barry Reynolds, Brad Beef They've got sections in there about grass carp. I just am not very familiar with them. Yeah. Um, rather than blow smoke, I'd rather just be upfront about that. Yeah, man. But, but uh, basically, uh, I have fished in streams in Montana for carp just to see if I could do it. Uh, it's a different tactic sometimes because what you'll have is you'll be in a clacker craft or something or just walking the, the, the stones along the, along the river. And, uh, rod rod size is going to vary between a six to an eight or a nine. I mean, up in Michigan, they've got these flats on, on like Lake Michigan or uh, Beaver Island or something where it's like, you know, you're, you're casting bonefish rods, nine weights and stuff, but really you don't need that in Alabama, um, because the bow fishing scene is so, uh, voluminous, I guess, uh, that, uh, that fish is generally only going to be seven to 15 pounds. Okay. Um, so, so really you can get away with a six weight. Yeah. Uh, even a five weight i use sometimes uh, and and do fine with it if you got a good drag on your reel um, that's the more important thing is drag on the yeah. reel um,
0: yeah so one thing I, I was surprised and maybe it was just Neely Henry which you can say that but it goes along with with, with the rod you know I, I really never was having to make long casts you know um, it was more about <laughs> it was more about a, a, a you know, being accurate, but at a shorter distance. Right. Uh, which, honestly, was something I, I was not expecting. Um, is that more because Neely Henry's maybe water clarity is a little less and it's harder to see him from a longer distance? or
1: That's actually typical of carp okay. fishing. Most of the time, you're dragging and dropping that fly into the zone of the fish's face onto that dinner plate. and and it's And sometimes you're going to have... 15 feet, 20 feet hookups uh, with a carp, and and it's rare when you have the 40-foot hookup. Uh, Those sometimes happen, and it's always worth taking that shot if you can get closer with the boat. But there's actually two, Frank taught me this, and it's almost like there's two different styles of setting the hook on, on a carp that are effective. The strip set works well at about 40 feet or 40 feet and beyond. Um, and uh, he actually has sort of—I don't know if he pioneered it. I don't know where he learned it. I, Frank's not big on the social media world, so <laughs> no. uh, I, I don't. Th- I think everything he knows he's learned himself. But basically, uh, his tactic will be to tie a let's say a bonefish crazy Charlie up top and then like a, a dropper pheasant tail, uh, flashback pheasant tail or something. And then what he'll do is he'll watch, watch for the mud to puff out of the gills of the fish. And this is on a close fish, like 15 feet and he'll, he'll go into like a, a soft set where wow. the, the line may flick behind you. If you don't come tight hmm. But but when it's behind you, you can go back into your next cast, huh. and that may not know it if you hadn't if you hadn't foul hooked it. Interesting. Uh, but but, but if he's watching he's watching that fish to inhale the fly, and if you see it, the puff of the puff of uh,
0: yeah
1: clay or uh, dirt so. or whatever the sediment moving, uh, you kind of have to sense that. That, that fish is taking it because what they're doing is they're pulling in everything in front of them and blowing it out real quick. So you may never even feel it, huh. but you'll see the line go tight and uh, just like a, a millisecond of line tight, and then you set the hook. It might be like a, a little bit of a trout set, a soft trout set, and then go back into your cast. Yeah. And so there's, it's a dance that you're doing with these fish and. And people that do it well are uh, extremely good at at all other types of saltwater fishing and uh, even nymphing for trout. Yeah, it, it, that too. So when you um, when you talk about the dinner plate, what you
0: know, what area in front of the carp's face are you wanting to put that fly? I mean, how, well, how close are we talking?
1: Fine line. So sometimes the fish are cruising, sometimes they're sunning. And sometimes they are standing on their heads. Those are the sort of configurations of the car. So uh, if they're standing on their heads, you want to put it about a foot from their face, uh, because because they're they're in the weeds at that point looking for food and they're not really paying attention. You can sneak it a little bit closer. Okay. But if they're cruising and moving at a yeah. slow. Then you can put it like two or three feet in front of their face and let them intersect it. Lead them a little bit, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And sometimes they will inhale that fly if they are if if they are looking for food. They'll they'll do it, but it's uh it's a it's a subtler take. It's a cool take though. I, I like catching cruising fish. Huh? Yeah. Um, well, I know you
0: you mentioned the the a sunner. I think that's what you called it, yeah. and. Uh, one fish we saw was pretty much right up almost on the bank and mm-hmm. uh i mean almost out of the water right and right. uh and we we cast to it a couple of times and couldn't get it to take but um that that was pretty cool and that's something different that you don't see in any other species uh around here uh freshwater species is a fish essentially almost out yeah. of the water eating
1: yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it's very cool yeah uh, and, and there's places here's the other thing for those of in your audience that are that are looking to get into carp fishing the cool thing is once you see carp in one place chances are they're going to be back in that same place and so it takes some of the hunt out but it's more about the dance you know it's more about uh talking to that fish with that fly and uh so so you don't have to go search for them very hard if you find a good spot then guard that secret spot with your uh (laughs) you know with all your while but, but you're
0: you're looking for i mean correct me if i'm wrong you're you're looking for areas that you know obviously are shallow enough to see the fish yes eating so you know 3 3 foot
1: you know 3 foot to 8 inches is perfect okay so and that i guess
0: if you you know if you just pull up google maps and you're looking for a potential spot that would be <laughs>
1: That would be the a first good place thing. to look in the spring and summer or early fall months. So, so like, what I have found is that that three-foot water, often all you'll see is a mud plume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, when you and I fished, Drew, it was a lot of the time uh, we were just fishing to a mud plume and we yeah. couldn't see anything but the top of the fish's uh, tail fin.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And,
1: and so uh sometimes in in the in the deeper water and deep water is two and a half three feet for carp uh that's what you that's how you're doing it and yeah. I, I think using an indicator is not not something that would be a bad idea hmm. uh in that situation yeah you know So that's that's what i mean when there's like just like in other types of fishing there's multiple different kinds of rigs you can use but like super shallow water like eight inches, five inches, sometimes like a, a bonefish fly works better. My Two of my favorite flies for carp fishing, um, well, I'll say three. The Crazy Charlie works well. Uh, the Gotcha works well. Uh, those are both bonefish flies. Hmm. And, and there's a Western fly that has been sort of tearing up the carp world, and that is Jay Zimmerman's Backstabber fly. Hmm. Uh, and that's that's a really good, simple fly, just a little bit of marabou on it, and uh, it works works a lot like a crazy charlie. The last one that I'll mention is a hybrid carp fly, and uh, what it imitates is almost like a mussel hmm. that has a, a rubber San Juan worm-looking foot that comes out of it, and it is uh huh. And that's one that you would want to kind of fish very still and slow. Yeah, uh, that's cool. You, for those of you that can Google and pull up fly patterns, or for those that you know, you yeah. know that's fly. Um, so
0: well, since we're talking about flies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do certain colors work better than others, or is it just more about, you know, the shape and the uh, profile well, of it? or?
1: Yeah, uh, on the KUSA, because the the biggest concern when when I'm thinking about it, I got a free summer, and the only thing that's preventing me from from getting out there and doing some carp work is uh, is the turbidity of the water. Yeah. See, if it rains, it'll be blown out like chocolate milk. Um, it'll be all stirred up. But you can wait a day or two, and then use black and purple patterns and mm-hmm. the silhouette of the fly is a little bit better in that in that chocolatey water yeah um but really anybody that knows anything about carp fishing will tell you if you're if you're fishing too cloudy a water you're in the wrong place because there are places on the lake where the water isn't that turbid yeah yeah
0: yeah.
1: you have to look harder to find the the clean water and so
0: some of the the color stuff kind of is the same that holds true maybe to uh, other freshwater species yeah. um uh, you know muddier water, darker colors, clearer water, more natural, yeah, okay okay uh, what about what about length of of leader and tippet? are you fishing a longer uh leader or shorter or
1: yeah, uh does it matter it, it matters um it's something that I've been playing with a little bit, but you know sometimes, like okay, so I took a guy out. Maybe last summer, and uh, he's a very good angler. He actually guides for bass on Gunnersville, um, but he had never caught a carp before. And uh, he went by and talked to Frank, and Frank told him about what we talked about about the different sets, the different uh, the strip set, yeah, and the, the trout set, and he and he put it all together on that day,
0: hmm.
1: and what he found was what i was using and i was glad i did was i was actually using a bonefish leader uh okay for him and it was good that we did because he caught a 15 pound carp that day nice yeah and and so like i would have hated for him to have lost that fish but they're not really all that line shy um okay so it's it's uh it's all about
0: probably the biggest
1: unroll and how 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 you are with it uh, with a with a longer leader Um, so you probably want
0: to you do probably want a good turnover though to to improve your
1: your accuracy
0: um and you're using weighted flies so i mean you know that that kind of makes it tough sometimes at least for me whenever using a a weighted fly or something that's a little heavier uh getting into land exactly where you want it is is, (coughs) can be a challenge um
1: I like to use so, a bonefish fly line and that helps the turnover too. Yeah. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess that that's all that I had. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned uh,
0: bow fishing
1: <laughs> Yeah. and
0: uh, not to offend any, anybody listening, we're not going to beat up on, on bow fishermen, but um what kind of impact have you seen uh nighttime bow fishing have on the right. the carp uh species in in your fishery?
1: Well, it's the social I mean, I'm not beating up on Yeah, it, no, we're we're just comparing it, it is, to fly fishing. It is yeah, it hurts it because you know and nobody's going to care that it's a bow fisherman. So Yeah. I I don't think I'm going to change anybody's opinion because I'm sure that it is a lot of fun to go out and stroke carp, you know, all night long, but it's incredibly wasteful as they leave so many fish in the water. And, you know, it's also, they're not allowing these fish to get to the kind of game fish size that we'd want to see in a carp. And a lot of people would shudder to hear me call them a game fish, but, they, you know, well, they, they are provide in a great fight. Yeah, and it's my chosen uh, pursuit. Whether or not I call them a game fish or trash fish is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, it's it's just okay. So Frank's perspective, I'm again invoking because it is uh, he's he's been doing it for probably ten years longer than me, um, and he basically told me one time that you know there was, there was at one time a gator gar that was in one of, one of our main fishing, fishing zones. And, uh, he could take clients there and they could catch that gator gar. And, you know, it was, it was great fun for the clients. He could go find that single fish on a fairly regular basis. And one day it just disappeared, you know, because somebody shot it with a bow. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, like I've noticed since I got into it maybe five years ago, uh, there was a time when the water would just boil with car hmm. and and now I'll go out there and, you know, I'm still seeing yeah. 40 fish, 40 fish or so, but it's not like the days when, when I'd see a hundred. Yeah. I mean, you know, my,
0: you know, my take and just to play off yours is, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's not a native fish, but uh, it is a respected game fish in most places around the world, in- including Europe. And uh, it really is a beautiful fish. Um, I mean, it's you know it's definitely got its uniqueness, um, but it's a cool looking fish and. Um, and it's, and it's know, a great fish to practice your skills on. You yeah, know. yeah, and and if anything if, we can do to help help it you know uh help the fishery help the size of the fish improve help the numbers improve you know to me it makes sense from a conservation standpoint um now that being said there's nothing wrong with with bow fishing and and and, you know it's a blast but at the same time you know everything has a responsibility to it so if anybody's out there listening you know we'll, we'll make a you know make a argument to hey you know just do it responsibly i guess but
1: um, right, yeah. no limits, kind of. I mean, and 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 that may be one of the problems is that I don't know if there are limits on car.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I have to look that up. Yeah. Um. Well, well, my well, my my last question for you, we'll kind of get into, and then we'll we'll wrap it up is, um. You know, you, you've got a lot. So, especially North Alabama, you've got trout just a few hours to the to the east. Um, in the, the the northeast and the in North Georgia and Smokies, you've got, I mean, Gunter'sville is a, a world class bass lake. Um, you know, you've got a lot of different things, but but you've kind of gotten passionate about carp. What makes carp and fly fishing for carp, especially, so uh, you know, so much more interesting to you, and, and so so much more worth the passion and energy that you've put into it.
1: Yeah, um, I guess for me, the the thing about carp fishing is that with those other species of fish, sometimes I, I feel like patience is more of a virtue than angling prowess. And so like, you know, there's, and, and that's not, that's not always true, but you know, if yeah. you can read electronics, then you can catch bass. Yeah. You know, if you know their habits, you don't have to see the bass to know that he, that he may be in a particular zone. But there is sometimes when you're thinking, what if there's not even a fish there? Yeah. And I'm wasting my time casting. Yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it's never that way with carp. I mean, some t- I've read that there are people that catch carp when they can't see them. But uh, that's not my kind of carp fishing. I want to see that fish, and, and I want to cast to it, and I want to outsmart that fish. And so it's it's a lot more like hunting uh, than it is hmm. fishing. That's cool. And, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Huh. And and then about the trout, you know, like you can. I was on a trip recently uh, on the South Holston, and uh, me and my buddy were fishing, and he's a good fisherman. Uh, he he outfished me that day uh, with with midges, uh, just sitting, just floating them in the seam. Uh, you know, and, and at that point, it's just you know are you in the right place in the water column yeah can't see the trout but you know we both had midge's on and then it's just a matter of luck who's who's the better fisherman and i guess the competitive side in me wants to know that you know i that i if i was there i could have made that shot yeah you know yeah. If, well
0: you, if, that i said the other questions last one that that brings up something i'm just curious in have you heard or, or are there anyone cuz i think most at least where i'm from especially Talapusa, those finding those flats are really tough there's there's a ton of tarp in the carp in the Talapusa, but finding the flats or finding those flat areas is really tough just cuz it's not the geography of the area um yeah. have you heard of or have you had any experience of, of anybody or maybe yourself uh you know fishing for them when you can't see them or you know i've heard of people like fishing like you know bubbles and um
1: yeah yeah you know, like swinging um, nymphs or something Bubbles are good indicators that they're moving. You can always look for, if if it's if it's a soft bottom. You can look for the mud plumes. Um, but uh, what if it's
0: like like maybe like you know? Well, I guess if it gets too deep, then you're gonna have issues getting your fly down to the bottom too, though. So right. yeah,
1: uh, I've never done it successfully. Yeah, uh, it is something that I think there's going to be an article in the drag come out about it. This. Uh, Maybe this winter. Okay. Um, it, it may already be out, cool. um, but it, it's about catching carp without being able to see them, so maybe look for that. I think the name of the writer is Ryan Russell.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, cool, man. Well, I've learned a lot. Um, it makes me want to get out there and in the summer once the warmer weather starts rolling around and try to scoop out my own little... Secret carp
1: spot, so
0: yeah. I don't have to do it. This That's the
1: cool thing about it, man. Is is you can do it in your own backyard, and if if you if you uh, want want somebody to give you more instruction, uh, I sort of am happy to take people out on a limited basis. Um, yeah. So, uh, Carp South is the name of my uh, sort of uh, quasi guard guide service.
0: Yeah, and I know you—you you kind of view yourself as a resource more than anything, of just trying to to teach people more
1: about it. And yeah, um, I and wanted, wanted to uh, take off in Alabama like it has done everywhere else, even if that means competing with people for spots.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and in at the, in the, in the end of the day, uh, if people have more an appreciation for the different species in our waterways, then maybe people want to try to take care of our waterways a little bit better too. So, yeah, all kinds I mean for it, that in.
1: It, it, in the environment even if it is a uh invasive yeah. like carp you know they've been here for a longer than i have
0: so oh yeah well man I, I appreciate it and it was really interesting and um you know uh if if anybody out there wants to uh get in touch with john uh i strongly encourage you to um i know that he'll you know be willing to answer any questions or maybe you, you want to go fish with him um it was a lot of fun he's a good guy he he can definitely work up. In in his rig it's something to see. I mean it's some it's something like you'd see uh for bonefish or something like that. So it's it's a full on flats boat with a polling platform and uh definitely a cool experience. So
1: Yeah, anyway, I appreciate it. Well thanks for having me on, Drew. I You're appreciate John. it. All right man. All right, talk to you later. Yep.